Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. From Nola Pizza in the Nola Brewing Tap Room on Chapatula Street in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti, Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. People who own their own sailboat sometimes describe sailing as like standing in the shower ripping up money. The point being, not only is a sailboat an expensive item to buy, but sailing is a prohibitively expensive hobby to take part in, which is unfortunate because the Earth's oceans, lakes, and breezes are accessible to everyone, and really, we ought to all be able to enjoy them. That's the guiding principle behind an organization called Community Sailing New Orleans. Community Sailing owns a fleet of 50 boats and uses them to give lessons and make sailing accessible to young people whose economic background would typically preclude them from really ever considering going sailing. Community Sailing also has relationships with high school and college sailing clubs and stages, group outings and, and summer camps. The organization is based at Lake Pontchartrain. They have three full-time employees and around 15 sailing coaches. And the executive director of the operation is Jacob Raymond. Jacob, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate you guys having us here. When you have a certain number of boats, their collective noun is no longer fleet, but becomes navy. Typically, a navy is a branch of a country's armed forces that is responsible for conducting military operations at sea. But as is so often the case here in Louisiana, it's different here. Here, we have a Navy that swings into action after a water-driven disaster. It's the Cajun Navy. The Cajun Navy is a more or less ad hoc collection of boat owners who band together to rescue people trapped by floodwaters. Beyond that waterborne force, there's an allied but separate civilian rescue and recovery force called the Cajun Navy Ground Force. The founder and CEO of the Cajun Navy Ground Force is Rob Gaudet. Rob. Welcome out to lunch. Awesome, thank you for having me. Jacob, I've seen it reported that one in five jobs in New Orleans is in some way related uh, to the maritime industries. You've been quoted as saying, because of that statistic, Community Sailing New Orleans is providing a pathway to employment for people who would not normally have even considered uh, they have any connection whatsoever to this kind of career. Firstly, is it true that the maritime industry is that ubiquitous here in New Orleans to actually account for 20% of the workforce? And secondly, how would taking a sailing course prepare a young person for a career in this industry? So it's amazing the job opportunities that exist here in Southeast Louisiana for young people who may not ever even thought about working on the water. Um, we provide a vocational training program called Crew to Captain. It's a three-year program. The kids do learn basic sailing concepts, um, but we do also get them credentials. So they walk away with their CPR, first aid. Um, they get their U.S. Sailing Basic Keelboat certification, their Louisiana Safe Boaters license, and also their U.S. Sailing Level 1 certification to instruct sailing. Um, these are all great ways to build their resumes, college applications, um, to pursue future endeavors after high school. Um, we also bring in uh, guest speakers um, to our vocational training program. So we've had 
pilots come in, river pilots. Uh, we've had the U.S. Coast Guard come in with their uh, fleet of boats. Um, we've also brought in naval architects, admiralty lawyers, King Points grads, uh, marine biologists. Also, the kids can kind of get a snippet or a glimpse of different career opportunities that they can pursue. Wow. Rob, let's start by distinguishing the Cajun Navy, who we see jumping into boats and rescuing people from floodwaters after a disaster, from the Cajun Navy Ground Force. You founded the Cajun Navy Ground Force and you're its full-time CEO. It's an organization that, as far as I can tell, swings into action after the floodwater has subsided and sticks around to help people get back on their feet by gutting houses and doing all those post-disaster recovery tasks that we're all too familiar with around here. Uh, reportedly, your goal for the Cajun Navy Ground Force is to grow into an organization with an annual budget of maybe 50 to $75 million. That would seem to be heading towards a, creating a hybrid organization somewhere between the Red Cross and a construction company. Is that how you see the Cajun Navy Ground Force, or do you have some other vision? Well, you know, today we live in the internet age, and really what I'm doing is leveraging people's goodwill and the, using the internet and social media to tell stories. And really that's what um, individuals did when I started this in 2016. The term Cajun Navy was coined during Katrina. Um, and when, you know, guys got in boats and started rescuing, I don't know if they were using sailboats from Jacob, but- That would be so cool, by the, the way. Right? But, uh, you know, we, they started doing rescues and Unfortunately, over 1,800 people you know, died during Katrina and many of those drowned. But what was missing was mobile technology and the ability to communicate instantly. So if you think about police departments and fire departments, how do they accomplish their job? Police officers don't drive around randomly looking for crime, they're dispatched. So what we do is we brought a technology edge to the citizen level where we actually dispatch individuals when there's boat rescues to go do those boat rescues. So individuals reached out to us through social media. We took all that information in 2016, connected to boaters who had mobile technology and a walkie-talkie app, and we said, go here and do that. But when that water went down, we had 100,000 homes in Baton Rouge and Lafayette and Ascension Parish that had flooded, and uh, we kind of did the same thing. We use social media and technology to start cleaning out those homes and encouraging people to come and help by storytelling. So we tell stories right now and we drive individuals to come help floods, fires, tornadoes, um, hurricanes. Well, Rob, this sort of pulls things together for me because your background is as a software engineer. And, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, this, this guy's going to go in and rip out uh, sheetrock and all that. But in terms of logistics and all, you're, this is right up your alley. It is. The internet lets us do things at scale, things we couldn't do without it, without mobile phones and the internet. We just simply wouldn't exist. We'd be maybe doing what you're suggesting, carrying water. And in fact, during Katrina, I volunteered. I lived in Shreveport at the time, but I volunteered at the Hirsch Coliseum where um, Katrina survivors were being brought. And I volunteered there. I was folding clothes and I saw a bank of computers though. And I said, what can I do with those? And These I saw individuals friends. going and sitting at the computers, looking for friends and family using the internet as they could, but there was no social media. I actually sat there and built a system right there in the Hearst Coliseum that helped individuals find their families. Jacob, in addition to, uh, you have people that are kids that are economically disadvantaged, but you also have a wide group of people um, kind of uh, that are dealing with some disability. Uh, how did that get started and how is it different? 
Absolutely. So we have two cornerstone missions um, at Community Sailing New Orleans. One is working with youth who otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity to get in the water. Another one is adaptive sailing, working with people with physical, intellectual, or cognitive disabilities. Um, so everything we've done at the Lakefront Campus, which is about 12,000 uh, square foot acres, um, was built with accessibility in mind. So all of our finger piers where our boats are stored, they are custom built for wheelchair accessibility. There is transfer equipment that has been built to help people uh, transfer from wheelchair to boat. Um, the fleet of vessels that we use in most of our programs um, were purchased from the Judd Goldman Foundation up in Chicago, Illinois, which is the premier adaptive sailing program. Um, so we run a variety of different programs. Um, we have a uh, sailing course for our men and women who so proudly served our country. Um, so we do a lot of work with veterans, um, a lot of work with the VA hospital, um, with the, uh, veterans enrolled in their rehabilitation programs. Uh, we also run a Special Olympics sailing team, which is the only one here in Southeast Louisiana. We're the only accredited training program for sailing um, in Louisiana, but it is a national and international um, competition. But we've also done a lot of work with a lot of fellow nonprofit organizations, working with people with physical disabilities. Um, we also have done work with Lighthouse Louisiana, working with the visually um, impaired and blind um, to host sailing clinics as well. So making sure when we say sailing for all, we really mean it. No one's going to be left behind. You really, you really do. Uh, Rob, when you first got started, and I, I love this, look, look at the research, was um, you called the Cajun Navy, the, the boat side, and you ended up speaking to someone there that was a, a one-eyed bounty hunter from Brobridge. You couldn't start a short story better than that. I'm telling you what. <laughs> and, you know, that was a Facebook group that I joined called The Cajun Navy. Um, and I didn't, I didn't create the term Cajun Navy. I, you know, others have used it for, it's kind of like who dat. Nobody create, <laughs> who created who dat? And everybody wants it, right? Everybody can use Cajun Navy. I joined this group, um, and I, it was a lot of chaos in it. There was a lot of sadness. Um, this was during the heat of the flooding going on in 2016. I mean, imagine if there were a Facebook group called, I don't just New Orleans in 2005. Everybody would have been posting at it. That's what was going on in this group. People needed to be rescued, and they really didn't know what to do. And I'm a systems guy. I build business systems. I look at how they work. And so I, I messaged the one-eyed bounty hunter from Bro Bridge and said, hey, I can help with this. She didn't even respond. She just made me a group administrator. She was overwhelmed. And I kind of looked around figuratively and said, okay, let's do this. And I changed the cover image to how to communicate if you were a boater, if you wanted to help we started collecting these uh, requests for rescue and putting them in a database. And then I had people dispatch the boaters to go do the rescues. We turned it into a 911 type system that was highly efficient. We always think of uh, sailing, uh, Jacob, as uh, you know, kind of a sport for the well-heeled, you know, and such like that. Uh, what have, um, how have you been able to come up with the money to do this program? I, you used a term that I thought was pretty terrific. It's like a a hybrid. It's uh, philanthropic because you are. It, donations are tax deductible, I, I imagine. Absolutely. And um, and but you're also revenue based. I've, that's an odd combination. How'd, but a good combination. How'd you get going on that? Uh, so the board of directors had created a business plan before I had even arrived. Um, but the goal is to generate earned revenue charging those who have the ability to pay so we can afford opportunities to others who cannot. Um, so our 
fee-for-service programs are open to the general public. Um, they help us generate revenue to help subsidize scholarship, um, our cornerstone programs for youth, and adaptive sailing programs. Uh, so we have an adult learn to sail class, which is $395 per person. That gets you 12 hours of instruction. Still incredibly affordable. If you go look at tennis lessons, they're probably right. much more expensive. And we provide the boat, and you have to provide your own tennis racket for tennis <laughs> lessons, right? Um, so we're, we're, we're doing incredibly successful with that, um, getting uh, about 150 people a year through those adult learn to sail courses. We also offer summer camps. So there's an open enrollment summer camp, uh, which the general public can sign their students up for. That's $350 for a week-long camp. So still at a really incredibly affordable price. Uh, we do offer also scholarships for those summer camps. So even though um, if a student doesn't has the means to pay for summer camp, we still afford um, that opportunity to anyone who wishes to do so. We also have great programs that are incredibly affordable, but still bring in revenue such as Women in the Wind. So we have Monday evening clinics, which is all female-led instructors and all female participants. Um, sometimes it's a lot easier to learn sailing without the testosterone in the room. Uh, <laughs> Or testosterone at sea. That's yeah, a testosterone at sea. Uh, <laughs> we also give the general public the ability to come take our boats out for a yearly fee of $500. A family can take a boat out their leisure. Uh, we call that an access pass. Uh, we don't like to use the word, word membership. That sounds exclusive. So the access pass allows you to come take a boat out. Um, so again, all these fees and revenues help generate opportunities for kids who otherwise wouldn't have the chance to do so. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Jacob Raymond, Executive Director of Community Sailing New Orleans, and Rob Goodet, founder and CEO of the Cajun Navy Ground Force. Now, now Rob, when you're, um, you don't recruit people, people kind of come to you. Is that what I should be thinking on Facebook or whatever method you have? Yeah, we use, we use the internet to tell stories and people respond. I noticed this in 2016, and we pro it probably is every disaster. Some people just can't help but help. And we tell stories, and I was what in Baton Rouge. What are the stories Rouge. like, by the way? Well, we focus on survivors or victims and what's going on with them as much as possible. Um, when we share that, you know, uh, a person um, doesn't have a network of support, you know, it, it, when we're younger, we're in our middle ages, we have strong networks of support because we have jobs and coworkers and we go to church and our, we have kids and their kids have friends who have parents and we know a lot of people, but as we age, we lose that network of support. So what we are doing is driving good citizens who really want to help into a system that makes them successful. Disasters have always had spontaneous volunteers. That's the term in the industry and it's kind of been it's kind of a no-no, really. The industry doesn't want spontaneous volunteers because they put themselves at risk, and, but they always show up. They're serving food, they're helping their friends clean out homes, or they're bringing supplies and doing a lot of different things. We give them the ability to come in and have a real impact. If you were just gonna go to Hurricane Ian and help, like where would you go? Who, what are you gonna do? And so we create systems that give spontaneous volunteers the opportunity to get involved. And we use the internet to tell stories to find those spontaneous volunteers. And most of them, they come from all around the country. There's not even one state I could say most of them come from, literally from all around the country. Rob, I'm gonna ask you the same question that I asked Jacob. Where does your funding come from? The same way we get volunteers is how we raise funds. So we tell stories and we say, hey, if you wanna support us, donate. And in the early days of a disaster, people really respond. 
we get a lot of national media coverage. Um, we were just on Good Morning America. We're doing another segment with them next month. And so between the traditional media and social media, we just drive individual donors. We have some corporate sponsors. Um, Walmart Foundation has given us two $50,000 grants. Um, Target gave us a $50,000 grant and raised $100,000 for us at their register. So we've probably, maybe 30% of our funding comes from corporate sponsors. And then the other 70% just comes from good Americans who want to help. And Jacob, you, you know, I, if I didn't know better, I would say that you were a lifelong sailor and this is what you wanted to, did you, have you been sailing like since you he were four? He has the tan of a sailor. That's I, what I, is, I, I really. Do, I do have the farmer's tan of a sailor. It gets pretty facey <laughs> underneath the shirt. Um, so no, I actually, I did not grow up sailing. You know, I, uh, I, I spent most of my childhood in upstate New York, um, actually on Lake Champlain, but you know, watching the sailboats go by, <laughs> definitely did not seem attainable to me. Um, if you had asked me what a regatta was in you know, my late teenage years, I would have said, oh, that's a boat parade where people go drink beer, right? Had no clue. How far off were you really? I, I, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I actually uh, signed up with the U.S. Army National Guard after high school, um, and I spent some long weekends overseas, um, and I was actually coming back from deployment from Iraq, and I had enrolled into College of Charleston, and that year I was taking a sailing class, and I was looking actually for a part-time job. Uh, the night before my sailing class started at College of Charleston, I had noticed they were looking for a dock attendant, someone to kind of just, you know, man the boats, clean the boats, um, just kind of hang out the docks as people came and left. I, I noticed that the job posting said experience preferred but not required, so I uh, showed up with resume in hand for the sailing class. and. I showed up 30 minutes early, and there's this six-foot-six biker dude with long hair, ponytail, big beard, tattoos down his arms, and he was reading his newspaper, and he was the dock master. He was the guy running the class at the time. Um, so I sat down. I had my resume in hand, said, hey, you looking for a dock attendant? And he goes, I am, and he continues reading his newspaper. <laughs> I, I, I said, brought my resume. Would you like to look at it? And he said, sure. And he took my resume and sat down the table and continued reading his newspaper. I was like, hopefully one day you'll look at that resume. So he finally puts down his newspaper. It's just me and him in the classroom waiting for the class to start. Um, he looks down, he starts reading it, and he saw I was just getting back from overseas. Turns out the guy was an old Navy diver. Um, so we got to talking, chatting about going to school at an older age and on the GI Bill. Um, and eventually he asked me, he said, all right, what's your sailing experience? And I was like, been on a canoe, man. It's got to be the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And he laughed. Um, but... The dock master at Colin Bentley, he cut me a break and he hired me on and I fell in love with it. And I wound up spending more time at the docks than I did the library at the college. And that's probably why it took me five years to finish my undergrad. Um, but it paid off because after I graduated, they offered me a full-time job as a director of education at College of Charleston Sailing Department where I spent about nine years. And then I moved on to Sail Nauticus as a program manager for three years. Um, I met my wife through sailing, all my adult friends through sailing. Um, so it's really been the most informative thing I've done through my life. And you, you know, you might not like them on land. You really don't know. That's, true. that's the kind of uh, <laughs> kind of thing. Now you started at the complete bottom uh, with uh, hosing out boats. And Rob, you were almost the opposite in a way. You just called to uh, make a connection, and they made you the administrator, right? <laughs> That's true, yeah. You move up very fast in that organization, apparently. I have this curse. I don't know. I, um, <laughs> I don't like to waste time. I think 
it comes from my background in building business systems. And before I was ever in software, I was uh, worked in the restaurant industry and worked for Ryan Steakhouse for seven years, started waiting tables. And by the time I left, I was general manager of my own store at age 24. I, I just kind of have learned to keep my head down and my mouth shut and work. <laughs> and that paid off in the restaurant industry. I think for technology and building systems, I really learned to dig in and understand. I think it's a highly empathetic job. You have to talk to people not about you it's about what they're what they're doing and seek to understand it and I still kind of do I do that I'm doing that for the overall disaster industry um, like to make a difference if I'm not making a difference somewhere with my in what I'm doing I don't really I, don't, I lose interest in it pretty quickly I gotta ask you when people everybody wants to volunteer a bunch of wonderful people do they need to be trained or do you kind of put them in the right slots or what happens we have different levels um, we have Basically, most of our volunteers do come for one day. We have a lot of them. Um, for Hurricane Ian, we had 2,600 volunteers show up. We have five programs, and they can volunteer for different programs. But some come from it for a day, some come for a week, some come for six months, and some come for a lifetime. So if you're going to stay really more than a day, we do start to train you. Um, and that's maybe 5% of our volunteers stay longer. Um, we, were on, we have a call every morning with our team now. We had 15 individuals on our team that are volunteers every single day that are working in different capacities for our organization. We have three volunteers in Lafayette today that'll be there for a month getting our equipment ready for upcoming hurricane season. So anybody that wants to volunteer can, and we really encourage it. You know, you can argue whether or not climate change is man-made, but you can't argue that the climate is getting worse. And Storms the other, are more the frequent and more intense, and we need the American mindset to change with it and have more individuals get involved in recovery. So you get two things forcing in your area. You've got, you've got climate change, and then you've got um, more and more of us are getting older, right? So and right. you kind of, I guess your first focus is the elderly. We are halfway through the baby boomers aging up into the elderly. So um, we're 10, and the generation is 20 years. We're 10 years into the baby boomers. And right now, one in five Americans is over the age of 65. In the next 10 years, it'll be one in five. And the elderly are really the ones that, are, that need our support. I've been pleasantly surprised. The American public has definitely shown up when we tell the stories. But if they don't know about it, they don't, they, don't, they don't know to come. If your neighbor is in distress, literally your next door neighbor, and you pull in your driveway and you see them living in their car and their home's destroyed, you're gonna get out of your car and go and help them. That's what we use the internet for. Everybody is now your neighbor because of social media. Jacob, I know you've, this is a very difficult job you have over here and you've done amazing work with it, but what remains the toughest part for you? What, what, do, you, what do you get up in the morning worrying about? Oh, gosh. You know, there's certainly a lot of hurdles. Um, you know, one of it's staffing. You know, we are always looking for qualified instructors. It's a unique skill to have. Um, so finding people who can help teach classes to grow our capacity is really important. And I think um, when I was just thinking about you saying that, Jacob, you, you need somebody who's a sailor and obviously, but not everybody's a teacher and a sailor. And you, you bring up an excellent point. So we don't go out and we don't look for the hotshot sailor who's gonna go you know, off to college sailing or win you know, international regattas. What we're looking for is a good sailor, but someone who is mission aligned and shares our values. So they have to be a great educator, a great teacher, but also patient and empathetic with the students that they're working with. And that is a hard combination to find. Um, we've been incredibly lucky, but our, our staff is growing and growing. Um, one way we are able to generate some instructors for our future programs is our crew to captain 
class. So after they graduate that, we offer them a part-time job um, as they um, pursue their other endeavors after high school completion. So we are getting the kids that we are serving to teach the future generations of our program, which is really, really cool. And Rob, I would imagine, you know, with your name being so close to the, the, the earlier Cajun Navy, there gets to be some confusion. And uh, I guess that would, I mean, you have to deal with that day to day, but I think people that want to donate might, you know, wonder which is which. Sure. You know, Cajun Navy Ground Force, simple as that. Um, our logo is a kaleidoscope of colors with a fleur-de-lis in the middle, pretty easy to spot. It's bright and colorful. We're the only one that does long-term disaster response. We were on a call yesterday with the elders from Poinashan Indian tribe. We went down there after Hurricane Ida, destroyed their community. There were 80 homes um, that were down there, only 12 remained, and they're really struggling to rebuild. And so, you know, our it's difficult to build a nonprofit around just search and rescue. It's just not needed that often, and I realized that really early and saw the other individuals um, that were using the name Cajun Navy and kind of didn't want to be Cajun Navy. I thought, well, this is kind of a one-off, one time 2016 and Katrina 2005. Um, but then a year later, Hurricane Harvey hit Houston and the Cajun Navy was such a strong term. I just went with it. But um, we really focused on that long-term recovery and that's what we do. And look, we just try to be the best version of ourselves as we can. Certainly. The public doesn't really realize this, but there are many groups that use the term Cajun Navy. I just invite the public to look at each group and make sure that, that the group aligns with what they're giving for. And, and, you know, not everybody gets what you guys do. I remember Hurricane Harvey. I, I didn't want to respond to Harvey, to be honest with you. It's a lot. I'd been in it a year. I'm like, well, I'm going to go back to my job, which I kept my job for six years. I've just recently left it to do this full time. but. I was done after the, all the rescues and all the recovery we did here in Louisiana after 2016. I didn't re want to respond to Harvey, but I knew I could help and was compelled to, so I did. And I just never looked back really from that moment. The description ordinary people doing extraordinary things refers to individuals who, despite not having any special advantage or resources, are able to achieve remarkable accomplishments through their hard work, perseverance, and dedication. These people are often motivated by a strong desire to make a positive impact on their communities and are willing to take risks and overcome obstacles to achieve their goals. Famous examples uh, include Mahatma Gandhi, who led India to independence through nonviolent resistance, and Rosa Parks, who dignified defiance, helped spark the civil rights movement in the United States. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things are not always famous or, or looking to be, but when we have the opportunity, it's nice to recognize them. Jacob Raymond and Rob Gooday, you're definitely both in this category. Thank you for everything you're doing in the community, and thank you for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thanks, awesome. Peter. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. My guests today have been Jacob Raymond, Executive Director of Community Sailing New Orleans, and Rob Gooday, founder and CEO of Cajun Navy Ground Force. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Jacob's fleet and Rob's Navy by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast on your podcast app and on our website, it's neworleans.com. If you want to know what we all look like, 
You can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business, New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch was recorded live over lunch at the NOLA Brewing Taproom, 3001 Chapatula Street, open seven days a week. NOLA Brewing Taproom has a wide variety of craft beers and authentic hand-tossed New York-style city pizza by NOLA Pizza. More information is at nolabrewing.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, to learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com. 